that this was recorded back in April. Uh, so while the information is still accurate, uh, there might be some updates to sites and that sort of thing, and some program updates as well since the episode was recorded. So if you're interested in anything that we discussed today, definitely do check out those websites that we'll list at the end of the episode for some more up-to-date information. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Coffee, Cows, and Crops is produced by the Peace Country Beef and Forage Association and hosted by Extension Coordinator Johanna Murray. On this podcast, we discuss management practices and research results with scientists, ranchers, researchers, and farmers. We strive to share innovative information and farming practices supported by sound science and practical wisdom. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get learning. everybody, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Coffee, Cows, and Crops. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Osser Grindy from the Ag Plastics Recycling Group. And we're going to be talking about recycling agricultural plastics and, and how that program works. But before we get into all the fun stuff, Osser, would you like to uh, introduce yourself and talk a little bit about how you got involved in plastic recycling? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Osser Grindy. I'm a cow-calf producer in Pinocchio County uh, in central Alberta. And I, I was uh, pretty involved with the Alberta beef producers, um, you know, about seven years ago. Uh, I was a delegate and then I got on the board of directors. And I think in 2016, um, I, I had been stockpiling a lot of my silage pit plastic on farm. And uh, I'd brought a resolution to one of our fall producer meetings uh, to ask ABP to lobby the government to look at finding a solution for egg plastics, because a lot of the municipalities at the time didn't even want it um, being brought to their pits. And so the only option was really burning it. Um, so I think the following year in 2017, there was two more resolutions that were brought to the Alberta beef producer AGM, one from zone six and one from zone five. And the... Uh, the delegate body passed them there. Um, and at the same time, a bunch of the other commodity groups in Alberta, along as well as like the rural municipalities of Alberta and the uh, Association of Agricultural Fieldmen, they had the same sort of motions, like we need to figure out what to do with all of this egg plastic. Um, and so a bunch of the different stakeholders decided to get together and form the Agricultural Plastics Recycling Group. Um, that included manufacturers and recyclers and like the Recycling Council of Alberta, um, and then all the different agricultural groups. And um, because I was one of the ones that brought the original motion forward and I was on the board, I got voluntold uh, that I was going to be the representative. And even though I'm not with ABP anymore, I'm still sitting there as the uh, beef producers representative. And I know way more about ag plastics now than I thought I ever would and about the recycling industry. So Mm -hmm. That's kind of a quick background. Cool. So I think one of the most interesting things about this whole program is that it really has been industry and producer driven. Like it's, it didn't come from a top down government mandate. Yeah. Like uh, there, there was like when the egg plastics recycling group formed, like we spent the first uh, year probably just doing a lot of um, information gathering from all around the world, looking at other countries and provinces, what they were doing with egg plastics. And um, then there was a bit of lobbying and that we eventually got a, a $1 million grant from the Alberta government to uh, start a three-year pilot project um, to look at uh, collecting egg plastics and kind of look at the uh, any 
uh, costs or challenges specific to Alberta with collecting. Um, and the two plastics that we ended up uh, bringing into the pilot program were twine and grain bags, because at the time when it started in uh, 2019, 2018, those were really the two products uh, that had already developed uh, recycling markets. You don't want to be collecting plastic in a pilot program and then realize there's nowhere to send it. So um, those were the two that we focused on. And uh, we hired through a uh, open competition, uh, Clean Farms was the uh, organization. It's a stewardship organization funded by industry. Um, and they're like the experts in Canada on recycling. So we hired them to be the program operators. So um, ABP administers the finances, the APRG, we oversee the program and then clean farms is really the organization that does the operations day-to-day operations and collection of the of the two products cool so you mentioned collection so and i know i went and looked at your map and uh you guys have got pickup sites all over the province (laughs) so how did those pickup sites get started how how did the project grow yeah, that's a good question. Like one of the big things uh, that the ag members on the APRG wanted uh, in a pilot was we really needed geographic representation. So that's something that we um, let clean farms know about. And they've been really good at uh, trying to fill in all of the different spots in Alberta. And obviously a municipality has to be willing uh, and keen on participating in the pilot program. Um, so they have to sign up with clean farms. Um, we've done a pretty good job of covering most of the province. Um, I think we have 34 collection partners that have signed agreements and um, we have 90 collection sites throughout the province. No, so there, you know, one municipality might be a collection partner and they might have a whole bunch of different transfer stations or, or landfills that are collection points. That's why you have more right. collection points than you do uh, collection partners. Um, and some of those sites will only be for twine and some will be only for grain bags and then other ones you can do both. So with grain bags uh, in particular, they're a little bit uh, need a little bit like bigger space and the logistics around which sites can take them uh, as collection sites are a little bit more limited. But um, yeah, the entire province is covered. There's some holes, but uh, we're still onboarding new sites um, as we speak. So we're hoping to address any of those holes. And if people get in touch with their you know, local municipality, if you guys, if they're not involved uh, already, uh, just put a little pressure on your um, local uh, Reeves or whatever county councillors, and they might be able to get on board too, so. Right on. So before we get too far into this, you mentioned you know a lot more about egg plastic recycling than you did before. Um, can you give me a quick overview of kind of how recycling works? Like what's the life cycle of this twine or the grain bags once they get dropped off at a at a collection point? Sure. Um, yeah, I guess how you look at plastics and recycling is plastics are actually a commodity, just like, you know, grain that we sell. And uh Twine is a polyethylene or a polypropylene uh, is the makeup of twine. Um, polyethylene is what cheap plastic uh, like silage plastic and grain bags is made out of. So you really have to keep those uh, all different plastic products separate. Um, you have to think about it just like you do with any other commodity, right? You don't want to mix wheat in with barley or something and then just try to get rid of it. Um because when you're recycling, the whole point of recycling is you take that product, you try to keep it clean and free from impurities. Um, 
and then turn it back into plastic pellets that you can make new items out of. But it's the the quality of the the plastic is determined uh, based on what the quality of the stuff you're recycling is. So that's why it, through the whole process, you have to make sure that you try to keep it as clean as possible. And really it's a pretty easy thing. Like for twine, you collect the twine. If it's fairly clean, uh, you put it in bags that those bags uh, it's like loose twine. So then they have to bail it up because the whole thing with uh, the most expensive part of the recycling process is the transportation costs. And so in order to minimize transportation costs, we have to densify the material uh, as much as possible. So usually that involves baling. Um, so with twine, they bail up the, the loose twine into bales and then they transport it to a recycler uh, where you know it's kind of washed or semi-cleaned, then they shred it, then they melt it uh, down, extrude it into like these small pellets um, that are polyethylene pellets. And then they get sold as a commodity back into the, like a market. And especially now there's more and more companies are looking for incorporating recycled post-consumer recycled material, um, back into their new products. Uh, and so there is a marketplace out there for the recycled plastic. Um, and it, you know, goes up and down based on, uh, you know, market factors, just like the virgin material would be. And the same goes with grain bags. Um, you, you uh, roll it up, try to get most of it clean, roll it up. It gets sent to a, a recycler. They wash it, shred it, and then pelletize it, and then they can sell it back into the commodity market. And the good news with grain bags, Alberta actually has two of the three grain bag recyclers in North America here, one in Hassar and one just opened up in Bashaw, partially due to the, um, the Saskatchewan uh, grain bag program. That's a permanent program now. And then also Alberta bringing in the pilot um, they felt they had the certainty of supply to open up a new recycling plant. And so the one in Bashaw uh, opened up just recently. And uh, yeah, I think it's a really good news story for Alberta. And they're actually selling some of their grain bag pellets back to a grain bag manufacturer to incorporate into the grain bags. So the circular economy for plastics is what the end goal is, you know, is where you can turn plastics back into the item that uh, they were originally made uh, made for yeah that makes sense so there's a concept i ran across kind of for the first time on your website when i was bopping around and that's extended producer responsibility so can you explain what that is and what the implications are yeah yeah th so this term is a it's a recycling industry term and it, it's really confusing for agricultural producers because we're in the ag industry. We're used to hearing the term producer applied to us as producers, right? Mm -hmm. Like the commodity producers. Um, in this sense, the producer is the producer or first seller of the actual plastic. Um, and so this is kind of where recycling is moving all around the world. Um, it takes the responsibility for managing end of life disposal or recycling of the product. And instead of, putting that burden on municipalities or local governments the way it currently is. Um, you take that and put it on the companies that are producing it and leave it up to them. Uh, say you guys are responsible for the recovery and recycling of your product. You guys can figure out how to do it. And the government just kind of does the enforcement mechanism. So the government stays out of it and the industry has a lot of flexibility in terms of the way they want to go about doing it. They can sign partnerships with municipalities or they can set up their own program. And um, yeah, usually the cost of the recycling program will become embedded in the 
price of the product um, at point of purchase. And you can either show it as a environmental handling fee, which, you know, uh, we have some idea of how that works with like, you know, oil filters and, and oil when we buy, it'll show up as like a EHC on your invoice. Um, this is actually happening a lot of places uh, already in Alberta. They just passed EPR legislation last fall. And the first products they brought in were household packaging, paper and hazardous waste. Um, and we're asking like the APRG, we can get into this when we talk about like what comes next, but uh, yeah, like we're hoping that eventually ag plastics can get onboarded into that, uh, that led onto that legislation into that re regulation as well. Um, yeah. That makes sense. So you mentioned what comes next. Um, the other really important question, of course, is the pilot has been running for a couple of years now. Uh, so what is the next step once the pilot is completed? Yep. So the pilot started in 2019 and it was going to run for three years until uh, 2021, but we actually just extended it till August of 2022. So we have another year um, to, you know, get better data and, try to come figure out what comes next. Cause a pilot obviously is just being operated through a grant from the government and it's not going to last forever. So part of the, part of the work that the APRG is doing is we're lobbying for um, a transition to a permanent program. And we've been talking to all of the different commodity groups and we have letters of support from, I think almost all of them. Uh, we have 10 or 11 letters of support, uh, saying that we support a transition to a permanent program and we're recommending EPR as the uh, model uh, to do that. And um, there's a couple other things like any, some of the recommendations we have are, it has to be harmonized with the other Western provinces because Manitoba and Saskatchewan both have regulated, legislated pro permanent programs in place. Um, mm -hmm. So it's kind of, a lot of the retailers in particular would like to see harmonization for grain bags in particular right away, just because there's a bit of cross-border shopping and it complicates their, their lives. Um, uh, also, any program needs to have, be um, geographically fair. So, you know, it has to cover all of the, all of the province. So all producers have access to it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And so... Uh, it all depends on government, really. Uh, like they're the ones that would have to agree to bring the different products like uh, twine or grain bags uh, into the regulation. Uh, it's probably a couple of years from now, but that's okay. Like we're part of the part of the job that we see the APRG doing is really doing things like this, where we're trying to reach out to farmers and either get them involved in the pilot uh, and increase awareness of like the issue. Um, when Saskatchewan did this, Scott Moe, uh, when he was environment minister at the time, he was the one that was trying to get uh, grain bags brought into an EPR right, recycling regulation. And the first time they brought it in, there was some big pushback from producers, I think largely because there wasn't enough consultation and education done. And so they put it on pause for about a year and then had to reintroduce it. So that's what we're trying to avoid. Like uh, we're trying to do a media blitz and talk to people and get them more aware and comfortable with the idea because there is a cost behind it. I don't know if that's something you want to talk about. That's usually the farmer's number one question. What's it going to cost me? Yeah, for sure. And that might be uh, a good one to touch on. Just this, this cost is, is going to roll to the producers of the plastics first, but then it is going to roll down, down to ground level folks eventually. Yeah. And that's like, even though, even though you 
the legislation says it's the extended producer responsibility is put on the people manufacturing. We all know how that goes. Like it, it always rolls downhill and the farmer is going to be the one that ends up paying for it. And so there is a cost there in Saskatchewan. Um, they've been operating for a few years and they're the cost to recycle, run the recycling program for grain bags is five to 7% of the cost of a grain bag. So that's like about $50 on a, uh, you know, uh, 10 by 300 foot grain bag. And they usually retail for like a thousand to $1,500, I think. So it's 50 bucks. And the nice thing about it is when you buy it, you know, that there's a responsible thing to do with it. Like, I think the way we have to look at it or the way I talk to people when I'm trying to frame it is everything has a cost right now. Uh, if you're taking it to your local landfill, uh, they really don't like the plastics because it messes up with the circulation in their cells. It fills up like it's a very bulky thing. So it fills up their landfills really quick and municipal taxpayers are the ones paying for that. So there's a cost there. If you leave it lying on your farm, blowing around, like there's a cost to, uh, especially with net wrap and twine and things, there's animals can eat it. Um, it's just kind of an eyesore for when it gets stuck in fences and is blowing around. And there are still people burning it about 20, I think 25 to 30% of people still are burning their plastic. And sometimes that's the only option, but it is illegal for a reason. Um, like the toxins that come off low temperature combustion of plastics is terrible. And I think it doesn't look good on our sustainability claims and everything that we're saying we're stewards of the land. So I, I think it's something that we have to get away from and realize, yes, there is a cost to recycling. There's a cost to other things too. EPR is, a, I, I believe it's probably the, uh, most market-friendly, cheapest way of um, getting low-cost recycling for products. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so we talked about grain bags, plastic twine, um, and I remember I heard about this initiative at a rancher event in Olds like five or six years ago, right when it was just getting started. And um, they were talking about how grain bags and plastic twine were kind of the easiest two plastics to recycle, but there's a pilot running in Southern Alberta dealing with silage plastic now as well, right? Yep, that's correct. Um, it's, so the, the twine and grain bag pilot is a provincial, like an Alberta government provincially run pilot program. The one in Lethbridge County uh, that Clean Farms is running on silage pit plastic is uh, through a federal grant that they got. And it's only in Lethbridge County. They partnered with the Alberta cattle feeders and uh, Alberta milk uh, to trial on-farm, like a, a manual, low-cost, low-tech on-farm compactor um, to deal with the silage pit plastic and then send it some of those bales that they're making to uh, a recycler to see if they could do it. Because I think the idea, like as a beef farmer, silage pit plastic is probably my number one plastic that I have an issue dealing with. And uh, mm -hmm. when we started, that's what I personally wanted the Alberta pilot um, to work on. But at the time when we started, they didn't really think that there was an option for doing it. So I'm really excited about this. Like it's pretty small scale, but uh, the proof of concept uh, I think is pretty positive. So they have a manual, uh, a manual compactor that every, you know, every time you cut your strip off of your silage pit, you just fold it up into, you know, you cut a four foot strip off and then you fold it up into a four foot by four foot square and you put it in kind of the bottom of a, a, a crate almost. 
for lack of a better term. And you just, you keep putting in those strips uh, until it's about four feet high. And then you rotate a, uh, a another piece of uh, crate kind of around over top of it. And then you just use a, a manual winch cable to winch it down and compact it. Uh, and then you lift it up and rotate it out of the way. And then you can keep putting more and more pieces of plastic in and then until you can't compact it anymore, you know, so it might take some people weeks or a really big feedlot, it, you know, wouldn't take as long. And then you tie it up with baler twine and you kick it out. And so you can like that piece of plastic uh, bale that you're kicking out of the compactor, uh, I think is about 600 pounds. So like for me on my operation, I could probably put my whole winter's worth of silage plastic into one bale rather than into, you know, three or four huge totes that I, you know, you'd have to now. Um, to deal with it. So uh, yeah, I think some of the the big impediments to the idea of recycling silage bit plastic is that it was too dirty, but really maybe the edges uh, and the ends of the pit and the sides of the pit could be dirty um, if you put dirt on them or whatever or in certain seasons. But if you're cutting off that middle strip and then right away you're folding it up, which a lot of people do anyways, just to prevent the wind from blowing it around. And then- mm -hmm you know, all you have to do is put it in that little vertical compactor thing. Um, I think it's a really easy solution for, for dealing with a, a bulky item that a lot of farmers were doing something with anyways. The big, the big issue is you don't want to pull it off with your, uh, you know, your loader in big ragged strips and then dump it in like the muddy thing and then drive over it for a week with your tractor and get it all muddy and then try to deal with it. So I think there's little things that, um, it's just like a cultural shift and same thing with recycling twine. I, I've been collecting twine for the last couple of years now for the recycling program. And I thought it would be more work than it is. Like what I say is don't, don't try to be perfect, only collect what's easy. And so any twine that I pull off a bale, if it's clean, I put it in the recycling bag. If I struggle getting it off clean and it has some contamination in it, like some dirt or frozen lumps of straw or hay, I throw it in the, the tote bag that goes to the landfill and it's zero extra work for me. And I'd say I probably capture 75% of the twine I use on my farm. That's clean enough when I take it off. So it's just, I think uh, if we just do what's easy, that's going to, you'll be surprised with how much um, improvement it would be in your waste reduction. For sure. And that twine, if, if you can't do anything with it, it's an easy way to wreck equipment. <laughs> I remember it getting into like some bearings or something one time. It was not fun, not a fun time to get out of there. Yeah, like plastic blowing around on the farm, it, it is an issue. And I know net wrap is another question you might have. Like mm -hmm. some people say, well, why can't we uh, recycle net wrap? And there's just no recycling option for it yet. Um, you never know with technology and stuff, but uh, the composition of it is a little bit unknown, I think, uh, for the recyclers. And then also just the nature of the product uh, makes it really prone to contamination. Like it, it's a really tricky one. So I think net wrap, uh, yeah, we might be stuck with, uh, you know, putting it in tote bags and taking it to the landfill for the foreseeable future. But there are, there are some alternatives on the horizon. Yeah, I, I saw when I was looking around your website that you're keeping an eye on a biodegradable net wrap project. I know that's kind of a whole different podcast in and of itself, but do you have a quick overview of that? 
Yep. It's, uh, I think it's pretty promising. Like the COVID has definitely slowed down the development of it. And, uh, the basics, the basics of it is there was a, a farmer and his son were struggling with, uh, getting net wrap off frozen bales, you know, in the springtime that had gone through a freeze thaw cycle and his son was pretty frustrated with how hard it was. And so they said, well, why don't we try to do something about it? And so they've been working with Alberta innovates and some, um, scientists at the university of Alberta that are specialists in biopolymers to try to come up with a biodegradable net wrap that, it, you know, just imagine how awesome it would be for bale grazing. You, you don't have to try to collect all that stuff. Like you can just go out and cut it into four spots and then leave it there. And it's not just going to break down into small little pieces of plastic. It'll actually biodegrade, um, in the soil. Um, so uh, yeah, they've done a lot of testing on ones that would allow, the like the bioplastic to to be strong enough and stretchy enough to be manufactured into a net wrap uh they're hoping this fall to have their first roll of biodegradable net wrap um just a one-off made to see how it performs going through a baler and stuff i'd say yeah uh stay tuned about it i i think uh, i'm really hopeful but uh who knows? They're, they're still in the trial phase. And I'd say, yeah, I can get, put you in touch with the, the people and uh, maybe a year from now you can do a podcast. Sounds great. Yeah, and while we're speaking about alternative products to plastics, I, I think it's an important aspect of extended producer responsibility style programs that it should drive innovation and in, uh, alternative products being brought to market. Um, once you start to pay for the full cost of the disposal or recycling of a plastic product at point of purchase, it will make alternative products that don't need to be recycled uh, more cost competitive and likely to be made. So whether that's a biodegradable net wrap or an edible sheet plastic or another product we haven't thought of yet, um, those products might actually be more user-friendly in a lot of situations for the farmer. And if they don't need to be recycled, uh, I think that's a win-win. Um, but we need the economic incentive for uh, entrepreneurs and business to bring those products to market. And uh, I, I think in the long run, recycling will be part of the solution. And, you know, alternative innovative products will be the other solution. For sure. So if somebody does want more information on recycling, recycling sites, they want to find one near them, or they want to know how the APRG works, or they want to just learn more generally about plastic recycling and that sort of stuff, where should they go? Uh, the best place to go is uh, you can visit the Clean Farms website. That's just cleanfarms.ca, uh, or you can visit the Agricultural Plastics Recycling Group website, which is uh, uh, the APRG.com. Um, I think that's I think that's .com. It might be .ca. Uh, yeah, and all of the information on the different programs are there. Uh, a lot of the FAQs we've put up. Um, so pretty much any question that farmers have uh, about recycling and the cost and how to do it and what happens to it and everything, like I've asked those questions and the other farmers on the APRG have asked those questions. And so we've tried to pretty much put them all together. Um, so they're all in one spot and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And if the, your municipality, if you want them to get involved, there's a sign up form for municipalities. If you want to, they want to become a collection site on the clean farms website too. Right on. I'll put the uh, links to all those, those two websites and a couple of the extra pages down in the description of the podcast. So you can check them out okay. and, uh, anything else we've missed? 
up in your guys's area, like in the area that Deer Forage Association covers, I think right now there's only three collection sites. There's the Cleardale transfer site, North Peace Regional Landfill, and then Claremont Landfill. And so there are some holes up there. Um, I'd say stay tuned. Like they're, the Clean, Clean Farms is still onboarding some new sites uh, that we're trying to address some of those holes. So hopefully there's some news coming out, you know, in the next couple of months about uh, filling in some of those geographic holes. Right on. Yeah. It is exciting that we do have some sites. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have, if you have any other questions, like you can always feel free to get in touch with me. Um, I'm more like the, on the beef side of things, the representative on the APRG from uh, the grain sector uh, is Dean Hubbard. Uh, he's uh, farms down in Southern Alberta. Um, but we're happy to talk about recycling to farmers. If people have concerns or questions or whatever, you can put them in touch with us. Our contact information is on the APRG website. Fantastic. Country Beef and Forage Association is a research and extension group based out of Fairview, Alberta. Our mission is to help producers thrive in an agricultural system that is profitable, regenerative, and attractive to future generations. To learn more about what we do and see the results of our research trials or our archive of newsletters and fact sheets, check out our website at peacecountrybeef.ca. Want to get in touch? Have a burning question or a topic suggestion? Send us a message on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Thanks for listening!